We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromlow, joined as always by my right-hand man, Hale Bent, to full press coverage. Well, this 2022 NFL season is down to its final seven weeks, and last week we talked about the road to Super Bowl 57, which once had three clear frontrunners becoming a lot more uncertain. And last week, I think that road only got a little more crowded, don't you, Hal? It certainly did. It's, uh, you know... We've got a few have-nots, but there is a muddled pack in the middle in both conferences and should be lined up for a fantastic finish in the NFL this year. Uh, Yes, plus the weaknesses of the haves are being exposed a lot more, aren't they? Well, exactly. I mean, we're seeing that, you know, injuries are going to have an effect on the teams and it's happening across the board and it's the battle of attrition. So who has the depth? to hold up to the injuries and whose training staff is going to be the real MVP and keep their teams on the field through the playoffs, because that's the luck that sometimes you just have to have. It most certainly is. And another element to that luck is who gets hot at the right time. And uh, there might be one or two teams that are just getting hot at the right time as we speak. So uh, we'll get to that a little bit later on. But first, let's uh, recap week 11, starting with the biggest lesson learned, and I will go first here. We might not have a clear front runner for Super Bowl 57, but we have a clear front runner in the race for NFL MVP, and it is Patrick Mahomes. If there was any doubt that he is the favorite to win his uh, second uh, career NFL MVP award, just look at what he did last week. He went into last week with a supporting cast of Travis Kelsey and a bunch of other guys. He had no Miko Hardman, no Kadarius Toney, but he got the absolute most out of rookie Sky Moore in that game. Sky Moore made several key third down receptions in that game. Patrick Mahomes, uh, for those of you who thought that he was going to take a dip without Tyree Kill. I hope you're choking just a little bit on that holiday turkey this Thursday because he just knows how to get the most out of whatever receiver he has. And he did that last week with uh, Travis Kelsey and a rookie Sky Moore. Patch Mahomes just knows how to get the job done no matter what hand he's dealt. And he showed you why last week he is the clear front runner for MVP. What did you learn in week 11, Hal? Well, first, David, I got to say, I was one of those doubters. I expected the Chiefs to take a big step back without Tyreek Hill, and Patrick Mahomes is proving me wrong, and I'm going to be choking on that turkey on (laughs) Thursday, no doubt about it. But, but, hey, you know what? I don't mind being proved wrong. Um, Patrick Mahomes, great point. Lesson learned for me? Boy, I'll tell you, um, you talk about the bottom feeders in the east those beasts of the east ron rivera's washington commanders bill belichick's new england patriots does anybody want to play either one of those two defenses anytime soon my goodness both of those teams looked uh for last place teams let me tell you wow What a performance they put on on the defensive side of the football last week. The Commanders continuing their strong play. Uh, Another big 
win, another strong defensive performance for the commanders who are one of those teams that are getting hot now. They've won five out of six games and they're riding that defense to do it. And the Patriots and Bill Belichick just refuse to go away. The Patriots defense with a virtuoso performance holding the Jets to two total yards in the second half. That's unheard of. This isn't supposed to happen in the modern <laughs> NFL. So for two last place teams, both at, uh, with six wins, I'm telling you right now, uh, the beasts of the East are here. Those are the bottom feeders. Man, nobody wants to play them come playoff time. Or right now, dare I say. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. uh, the Commanders and Patriots are two teams to keep a close eye on the rest of the season. I completely agree there. And who was your GOAT of the week for week number 11, Hal? Well, you know, um, it's not often a quarterback can throw four touchdowns at a game, a 132 quarterback rating, and nobody talks about him. But, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo, all he does out in San Francisco is get the ball in the hands of his playmakers and win games and look out here come the 49ers and do you think they'd be doing this with jim with trey lance instead of jimmy i don't think so oh uh, <laughs> no <laughs> way no how um so hey jimmy garoppolo another great game four touchdown game and did just made the right choice repeatedly mccaffrey debo Ayuk, whoever Kittle got the ball in their hands and let them do all the dirty work. And uh, that's that formula for victory for the 49ers. So I'm going to give a hand for Jimmy Garoppolo because a little underappreciated there for his role in that win on Monday night. Uh, he shouldn't be underappreciated for the role he's been playing the past several weeks, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. By the way, that's future New York Jets quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> dare I say. <laughs> Like uh, literally everybody on NFL Twitter thinks Jimmy Garoppolo is going to end up with the Jets next year. And uh, we'll uh, discuss that in uh, just a little bit. But my go to the week, you got to go with Travis Kelsey. Oh, uh, my goodness. Shannon Sharp himself tweeted after Sunday night's thrilling game between the Chiefs and Chargers that Travis Kelsey just might be the greatest tight end of all time. <laughs> And that means a lot coming from a Hall of Famer in Shannon Sharp. And just look at what Travis Kelsey is doing this season at the age of 33. He already has 11 receiving touchdowns, which is tied for most in his career in a single season. And he's on pace for a career high in catches, yards, and touchdowns this season. And after last Sunday's virtuoso performance, he not only cemented himself as the charger killer, dare I say, this is the second year in a row he scored a last-second game-winning touchdown over the Chargers at SoFi Stadium. He now has 33 career games with 100 or more receiving yards, which is more than any other tight end in NFL history. Travis Kelsey, you are on the fast track to getting a first ballot gold jacket in Canton, and you are my go to the week for Week 11. What about dunce of the week for week 11, Hal? Well, first, let me just say Travis Kelsey, such a cerebral player as well. I love watching him work. He's so smart at reading those defenses. And that play against uh, the Chargers, the exact same play from the year before that won the game with that last minute touchdown. So Kansas City, uh, Travis Kelsey, you can't stop the play. That's all there is to it. <laughs> so just had to throw that out there. Dunce, oh, this one's near and dear to your heart, David. Uh, Denver head coach Nathaniel Hackett 
I mean, my God, you got this. I, I understand you got to a AFC championship game with Blake Bortles as offensive coordinator. That's a hell of an achievement. Um, unlikely to be anything close to that duplicated in the future. You had the back-to-back -back MVP while you were offensive coordinator, but what? Did you forget what you were doing? Like, this has just been terrible. You've got a nine-time Pro Bowl quarterback there in Denver. You've scored 13 touchdowns in 10 games. 13 touchdowns in 10 games. They haven't scored more than 23 points in a game all season. And again, that was their winnable game to turn around their season against the struggling Las Vegas team, and they could not make it happen final nail in the coffin nathaniel hackett one and done in denver no doubt about it now you are the dunce of the week thank you so much for covering my bases there hal because i was going to give my dunce of the week honors to nathaniel hackett who all but secured his status as one and done in denver uh, last week I changed that honor after reading the reports coming out of the Jets locker room. Let's talk about Zach Wilson for a second. Not only is this guy not looking like a viable starting NFL quarterback, he doesn't even look like a viable backup NFL quarterback. He misses the most routine throws. 77 yards on 22 attempts. And several others that should have been picked. Are you kidding me? But it went from bad to worse after the game when he was asked at the press conference whether he let the Jets' amazing defense down. And he said no. He said no. His play didn't let the Jets' defense down. What planet is this guy on? Are you kidding me? Zach Wilson, not only is he a god-awful quarterback, he doesn't even ought to be a reliable, accountable teammate. This is absolutely crazy. Zach Wilson is my Dunce of the Week for Week 11. And that takes us to our next question. At his Monday press conference, Jed said Coach Robert Sala refused to rule out making a change at quarterback. And based on Zach Wilson's performance, and the emerging rift of the Jets locker room stemming from his post-game comments that I just alluded to, would it be absolute insanity if the Jets do not bench Zach Wilson this week? Yes, yes, yes. Absolute insanity. David, I told you last week, he's the third best quarterback on that team. And he <laughs> just went out and proved that last week. I mean, should <laughs> have had three interceptions by my count in that game. One, the defender landed out, bobbled the ball, landed out of bounds. Devin McCourty got hit between the three and the two and couldn't hold on to the ball. And Jonathan Jones slipped when he was on the sideline, could have had that pick six going the other way for seven points. So uh, yeah, terrible game. I mean, even the outlet pass to the running back, wide receiver screens, he was sailing. I mean, the question wasn't, how he only threw for 77 yards. It was how he completed nine passes was the astounding part because, I mean, the one big completion that he had the entire game was aided by the wind and that it blew the ball back 10 yards in front of the defender and his receiver could come back for it. You take that out of the game and he did nothing. Yeah, and for the Jets, there's a team that's in the playoff run earlier than they expected to be. Certainly, I don't think they were expecting that this year, hoping for it, but not expecting it. And that defense is playing 
way better than anyone expected. These young players have been fantastic for them. They, again, this is the NFL. You cannot pass on a chance to make the playoffs. If your team has a chance to be in the playoffs, you have to go all out because there's no guarantees in the NFL. Just ask the Rams right now uh, that you'll be back the next year. No guarantees whatsoever. So you've got to strike. And for the Jets, there's one position that's holding them back, and that's the quarterback position. They need to make a change. They've got two better quarterbacks than Zach Wilson. I don't care if it's White or Flacco. Put one of them in the game. Uh, We're definitely in agreement there. And you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo, which leads us to our next topic of discussion here. As I mentioned at the end of last week's program, since acquiring Christian McCaffrey, the 49ers have arguably been the most dangerous offense in the entire National Football League, as they currently rank number one in offensive DVOA, at least since that trade was made. Also since then, Jimmy Garoppolo ranks third, third in quarterback efficiency ratings behind only Patrick Mahomes and Tua Tung Loa. And the 49ers defense, they have not allowed a single second half point in three consecutive games. Should the 49ers prevail in three of their next four games, which include dates with the Bucks and Dolphins at home and the Seahawks on the road, do you think the 49ers become the team to beat in the NFC? Oh, you know, I, I feel like I should say, you know, Philadelphia is still the team to beat in the NFC. And yeah, they, they've got a little bit of a rough spot here. They, uh, you know, the commanders came out, had a great game against them two weeks ago. They barely edged out the Colts, but you know, teams are going to have these bumps in the road. I, I still think the NFC it's Philadelphia and everyone else, but that second tier, I think we can safely say San Francisco is moving to the top of that second tier. And, uh, you know, will they speed ahead of Dallas in that regard as the number two team in that, in that conference? Probably, um, you know, again, I I've been saying it and hit the brakes, show me more, hit the brakes, show me more. But yeah, I, I think they're going to, they're, they're certainly more talented than Seattle. Uh, Minnesota, ooh, I don't know what's going on there now. <laughs> a lot of concerns there. And Dallas, wildly inconsistent. You know, like Jimmy Jones said, this team could win a Super Bowl. Well, sure, the team that played against Minnesota, but, you know, what about the one from a couple of weeks before, uh, you know, losing to Green Bay or, you know, getting blown out by the Eagles? So, um, little bit of inconsistency there so 49ers are getting to that point no doubt about it i'm going to be a stickler and say if you're still playing like this in three or four weeks then yeah you're a serious contender to to philadelphia so i'm going to make them earn it over the next month but they're definitely on track for that no doubt i completely agree there as well And uh, the theme of this 2022 NFL season, as we have said time and time again on the show, is parity. If you think there hasn't been high parity in the NFL before, you just haven't seen this year. I just cannot remember a season where there is more parity than this season. And I really mean that sincerely. And one of the most power symbols of that parity that we've seen across the league this season is the status of 2021 Super Bowl teams. 
The playoff hopes for the defending champion Rams, as you kind of alluded to, they're all but done. And the Bengals arguably have the most difficult path to the playoffs. Here's their remaining schedule. They're at the Titans this Sunday, followed by back-to-back home games against the Chiefs and the Browns, who might have Hugh must not be named back by then. And then they have back-to-back road games against the Bucks and the Patriots. And then their season concludes with another back-to-back home stand against the Bills and the Ravens, which could be for the division currently. What do you think the odds are percentage-wise of the Bengals making the playoffs? I would just put it slightly above 50% personally. Oh, I would put it less than that. I would say about 30%. Whoa! I mean, at, best, at best, they're going to win three or four of those games. I mean, that is a tough schedule. Three or four, you know, nine or ten wins. I don't know if ten wins is going to be enough in the AFC this year really? to make the playoffs. So that's with them winning four out of these seven games. They're at ten and seven. More likely three and four. I'm looking at nine and eight for Cincinnati and sitting at home in January uh, for the playoffs, unfortunately. Oh, that is a very interesting take there, Hal, but I would not be surprised if we see both of Super Bowl 56's participants uh, at home in front of their fireplaces watching the playoffs in January. And now it's time for our favorite game of this program, Truth or Exaggeration. You know how this game works. I make a statement, and you let me know whether you think I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. And we start with those Los Angeles Rams, where their playoff dreams are at best on life support. And given the fact that Matthew Stafford suffered a second concussion in three weeks, the Rams should put their franchise quarterback on ice for the remainder of the season. Truth or exaggeration? Well, truth that they should exaggeration Sean McVay is not going to do that (laughs) Uh, he is not going to do anything to help out the Lions first round draft pick there that they are sending to Detroit and uh, is looking like a top five pick right now so uh, no uh, McVay is going to try to get this thing turned around no doubt about it to get some positive momentum going into next year Uh, and and if that means he's going to be throwing Matthew Stafford out there at 75%, then he's going to throw Matthew Stafford out there at 75%. Um, John Wolford, Bryce Perkins, sorry, guys, it's not going to be a lot of playing time for you here. Uh, McVeigh is trying to get this turned around and positive momentum heading into next season uh, so that they can attract some uh, desirable free agents because they trade away all their draft picks. So we're not going to get them that way. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, McVeigh probably won't uh, put him on ice for the remainder of the season, but I think he should uh, bet Stafford for the next two games because it's a second cushion in, in a three week period. Get him some rest, get him to 100% first, though. But like we saw with Buffalo, we talked the same thing about Josh Allen. They did not waste any time in putting him right back out there. And But know, the Rams' playoff hopes are done. Well, we know that. Does Sean McVay know that? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's looking at the NFC and going, eh, nine and eight, that could happen. Eight and nine, maybe, if we're lucky. So, yeah, I, I think he's still trying to – he's still thinking there's a little bit of life left. And uh, But, yeah, the idea of Matthew Stafford 
not a mobile quarterback being in position for a third concussion here within a month. That's a scary thought. And really anybody thinking about quarterback health should be concerned about that. But the modern NFL, it's all about the W's, unfortunately. Speaking of those Washington commanders that you mentioned at the top of the broadcast, the Washington commanders will overtake the New York football giants for one of the two NFC wildcard playoff spots. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, I, I want to say truth so bad. I believe in Ron Rivera. I really do. Coaching matters in the NFL. He's got that team playing hard right now, that Jack, Jack Del Rio defense out there shutting down the Eagles, shutting down everyone else. I love watching that team play. They're so exciting to watch. And, you know, yeah, I mean, they've got a chance. They've got two out of their next three games are against the Giants. They could very easily vault ahead of them, steal a tiebreaker away from them, and cruise down the stretch and turn that final Week 18 game against the Cowboys into a real meaningful matchup, which would be, ah, uh, you know, anybody growing up in the 1980s, Dallas, Washington, playoff implications. Oh, that's just is just such a great feeling to see that game. So I'm rooting for it. I'm going to say truth. I think Ron Rivera can do that right in the back of that defense for the commanders. Uh, yes, and plus they should be getting Chase Young back in the next few weeks. So that defense is only about to get more dangerous. And staying in the NFC East for a moment, Tony Pollard. And this is a guy I just cannot stop praising on this program. He's just that special of a player, in my opinion. Tony Pollard is the best offensive weapon the Cowboys currently have, other than Dak Prescott. Truth or exaggeration? You know, uh, the C.D. Lamb fans may get on me for this, but I do think that is a truth. Tony Pollard <laughs> receiving, rushing. I mean, just so many good things happen when the ball is in his hands. It should be C.D. Lamb, who should be the number one wide receiver and that top offensive weapon. But no, it is a truth. It is Tony Pollard right now. Oh, absolutely. And thank heavens that the Cowboys did not cut his snaps drastically, even though Zeke was back. Zeke does have a role as a goal line short yardage back, but let Tony Power take most of the rest of those touches, man, because he is that special of a player. And the team that the Cowboys absolutely walloped, I mean walloped last week, the Minnesota Vikings. And by the way, shame on me for drinking the purple Kool-Aid a little too soon. Uh <laughs> The Vikings are the first team in NFL history to start a season eight and two, yet have a negative point differential of minus two points. So truth or exaggeration, the Minnesota Vikings will not make it to the NFC championship game. You know, I'm going to go with the truth here. Um, you know, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I picked the Vikings last week as well. I thought it would be a close game and boy was, uh, no, totally. We were both wrong. wrong. We, were both wrong. We, we thought the Vikings, they've been keeping it close all season long, making it a game. Um, other than that one game against Philly and we floated the idea. Well, if Dallas was as good as Philadelphia, they could blow them out, but no, <laughs> uh, it's exactly what happened that Dallas team. So, but yeah, I mean, Minnesota, I mean, Again, it's uh, an offense like that scoring three points. 
again, you see Dallas focused on that matchup with Justin Jefferson, focused on stopping that running game with Dalvin Cook, and being able to do that on defense put them in a great position to win that game. So being able to slow down uh, that attack, haven't seen it happen very often, and Justin Jefferson is tough to stop. But, you know, come the playoff times when those yards are tough to get, I don't know if I have faith in this Minnesota team. And, yeah, you know, they won a lot of close games, and they banked some Ws, which is going to help them at playoff seeding time. But... I know they they're not inspiring a deep run in my mind right now. So uh, yeah, I got to go with the truth. I don't think they'll be uh, playing the Eagles uh, in the NFC championship game. Let's take this a step further. Let's say the Vikings are the three seed in the NFC or even the two seed dare I say, and they have to play the Seahawks in the mm-hmm. wild card round. I would be neither shocked nor surprised if the Vikings were one and done in the playoffs. Would you? Exactly. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, Seattle, Pete Carroll and that team have never been afraid to go on the road. Uh, you know, no team travels more miles in a season than Seattle does anyways. Uh, they're always in the air and they travel well. Um, and the way Seattle's been playing, I mean, even with the the loss before the bye week against Tampa Bay, uh, Still an impressive, impressive team there. Pete Carroll has them ready to play. Geno Smith is for real. Um, two great receivers there and an improving defense. Yeah, I I would not pick Minnesota at home against Seattle right now if that wild card uh, game was right now. No way, no how. And continuing in the NFC North for a moment. The Detroit Lions, for the first time in five years, are on a three-game winning streak. Should the Lions win three to four more games this season, Lions fans should feel very confident in Dan Campbell as the long-term answer at head coach. Truth or exaggeration, we were almost running this guy's obituary. (laughs) We really were. We really were. After that Dolphins game, I think a lot of people were uh, had seen enough And it's, hey, you know, culture matters in the NFL and they got their butts kicked for a few weeks and they've turned it around. And you've got to give credit to Dan Campbell and that staff. They've stayed consistent on their message. They've had consistency in their belief in their players. And those players are buying into that program. And you're seeing the results on the field with the Lions yeah, Dan Campbell, six, seven wins is going to be plenty for him. He, you know, um, despite the, I mean, are they still last? I think they're still last in the league on defense as far as points allowed right now. But um, as bad as that defense has been to be in this position and rolling on a three-game winning streak, uh, credit that coaching staff. Culture still matters. So, yeah, I think. You know, short of the bottom dropping out and going one and six, oh and seven, I think two wins would be enough uh, to have him very comfortable and no worries about coming back next year. Well, not just coming back next year. How about being the long term oh, yeah. answer? But as far as the long term, yeah, I mean, just the growth in these three games, I think, 
you know, Lions fans should feel confident. They're seeing their team buying in. They're not the most talented team in the league, but they're making those plays on offense and they're doing just enough on defense right now. The arrow is pointing in the right direction with Dan Campbell right now. And like I said, short of the bottom falling out and they started giving up 40 points, losing 40 to three uh, for the next six weeks or so, they should be confident that he is the right answer at head coach. And moving on to the AFC West, where the Chiefs will be the AFC's number one playoff seed yet again. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, truth. They're in the driver's seat. It, it, it's it's the Chiefs and everyone else. Uh, they're going to let Miami and Buffalo beat up on each other a little bit here. Yeah, you know, you know what you're getting with the Ravens. Lamar still has to prove himself in the playoffs. Tennessee, um, you know, they somehow keep pulling out these wins in the regular season. But again, another team that in the playoffs, that offense has disappeared the past couple of years and not a team that I don't think anyone is really thinking is going to be threatening Kansas City. Kansas City's really looking at Miami and Buffalo and those two teams beat up on each other a little bit, get beat up on by some of those other AFC East teams. Uh, the Jets and the Patriots with those strong defenses just puts the Chiefs in the driver's seat. I think they're going to cruise through. They still got two games against Denver. They got Houston on their calendar. Lock in that number one seed. It sounds like uh, NFL reporters are going to have to make early reservations at Arthur Bryant's and uh, Jack Stack and all those great barbecue <laughs> joints in Kansas City about a month advance because they could be spending two or three weeks there come January, if not more, should the Chiefs make it to the Super Bowl. And speaking of the Denver Broncos, Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, who was a finalist for the Broncos head coaching job last winter, will be the Broncos head coach in 2023. Truth or exaggeration? And keep in mind, uh, George Payton and him go back a long time in their days together in Miami, and he's been wanting to work with George Payton for quite a while. You know, uh, if I was, you know, one of the Waltons, I don't know that I'd want George Payton picking my next coach after Nathaniel Hackett here. <laughs> I might say, no, no, no. Whoever you want is automatically out. Um, I, I'm going to say a little bit of an exaggeration. I think Quinn would be a great fit there. Uh, you know, again, Peyton, Quinn, good combo there. But at the same time, I think the ownership is going to be a little bit more involved in that decision and looking possibly with that investment that they've made, um, you know, at the quarterback position with Russell Wilson, really looking for some kind of offensive guru to turn that offense around in Denver and get him back on track and, and get their money's worth out of that investment. Oh, very, very, very good point there, Hal. And uh, the Waltons are the reason that Daniel Hackett is in big trouble right now, because uh, if it was prior ownership, they'd probably uh, give him a bone for one more year. But the Waltons, they're too embarrassed, and that's why he is likely going to get fired by seasons. And at the latest, dare I say, he could be gone before then. And uh, speaking of the Broncos, uh, let me just remind our viewers that uh, we are officially in the final week of November, 
And that means you have one more week to donate to the annual Cheer for the Troops campaign run by my good friends, the Denver Broncos cheerleaders. And by making a donation, you're helping them make as many holiday care packages as possible to send to the brave men and women of our United States Armed Forces that are currently serving overseas. Please follow the Denver Broncos cheerleaders on Instagram at Denver Broncos cheer or Twitter at Broncos cheer and click the link in their bio to donate anytime from now until midnight mountain time on November 30th. And Hal, please tell our listeners in your own words why they should donate. Well, like we talked about before, this is the best cause that is out there. The Denver Broncos cheerleaders are out there to make a difference for our troops who are stationed overseas. And those are the people that are putting their lives literally on the line to protect our freedoms. They do it every day. They don't get the pay that they deserve. They don't get the benefits that they deserve. They don't get the admiration that they deserve. Um, And this is a chance for us to be able to show that to them and be able to give them a little bit of a holiday chair here around Thanksgiving. So uh, this is the best cause, bar none right now, our troops, our heroes, the ones who are far away from home, doing what has to be done to keep us safe. You couldn't have said it any better, my friend. And now let's continue with our week 12 gay picks starting on Thanksgiving Day in Detroit, where the Bills, for the second time in four days, are going to play in four field, but this time as the road team against the Lions. And given how off Josh Allen looked last Sunday. I wanted to pick the Lions for my upset special. I really did, but in the end, I just couldn't muster the strength to do it. However, if you want a good betting pick for a parlay, pick the Lions to cover the spread in this game. I guarantee you they're going to cover the spread in this game. But in the end, I think the talent on the Bills on both sides of the ball is just too much. The Bills find a way to squeak out a 26-23 win over the Lions on Thanksgiving. Yeah, David, I'm thinking in that same vein, I really wanted to pick the Lions as well. I just don't see it happening as much as I want to. I just don't trust that Lions defense. So I think they'll give up way too many points to the Bills, but the Lions will cover the spread. I've got it a little more high scoring here, uh, but I've got it Bills 38, Lions 35. Ooh, better sound that simpatico alert yeah. since we both see a pretty <laughs> similar <laughs> game going on. And the second of the three games on Thanksgiving, the Cowboys, fresh off that incredible performance in Minnesota, host the banged up New York football Giants. Not only did the Giants get crushed by the Lions at home. They lost promising rookie wide receiver Wandale Robinson for the season with a knee injury. They lost their star cornerback, Adoree Jackson, for the foreseeable future. I trust Brian Dayball and the week Martindale and Mike Kafka to keep things close for most of the game. But in the end, these Cowboys are just far more talented. They beat the Giants with Cooper Rush, and they're going to beat them again with Dak Prescott. Cowboys 31, Giants 20. I'm picking the Giants for no good reason. I, you know, it's Thanksgiving. The Cowboys probably going to eat that turkey, get a little bit fad after that win <laughs> over the Vikings. Uh, have, a, have that turkey a little early this week. Uh, 
Brian Dable is going to have the Giants team ready to go. The Giants are looking to bounce back. Dallas, oh, I just don't trust them after they have a win like this. I just think back to the end of last season when they blew out Washington, put up 50-something points on them, and then went out and lost to the Cardinals in the next week. So I think this might be one of those just for no good reason, Dallas just takes their foot off the gas and figures out a way to lose. Uh, just happens too often in the NFL. So I'm going with my gut. Giants 28, Cowboys 27. You actually have a very good reason to pick the Giants. It's because the Cowboys have been very disappointing on Thanksgiving in recent years. They've lost three of their last four Thanksgiving Day games. And the nightcap on Thanksgiving... The Vikings, who absolutely got trounced by the Cowboys, hosting one of your two teams that nobody in the NFL wants to play right now, the New England Patriots. And get this, Sal, I have a feeling it's only going to get worse for the Vikings in this game Mm. because they're going to be without Christian Darrisaw at left tackle, and they're going up against the NFL sack leader in Matt Judon. And I think Matt Judon absolutely takes over this game and powers the Patriots to an upset win. How does he do it? Stay tuned for bold predictions. Give me the Patriots over the Vikings. Do I hear a simpatico alert? Oh, you don't though. My heart aches and wants that so bad, David. I'm dying for that bold prediction because I want to hear how it's done because I'm rooting for it so hard. Patriots, Matt Judon, what a year. I talked about him last week about my as my midseason defensive player of the year. And and Bill Belichick and his staff, what a great job they've done of isolating him one-on-one against the tackles with overloads on the opposite side of the line. Uh, a fresh left tackle, backup left tackle in there for Minnesota. They should be seeing a lot of that as well. You know, I just, as well as that defense played against the Jets, you know, Zach Wilson, I, I got to say Kirk Cousins is a little bit better there and uh, should be able to get the ball into the hands of Justin Jefferson a few times, even with that strong Patriots secondary. So I've got it a close, entertaining game. It could go either way. Coin flip came up for the Vikings 20 to 17 over the Patriots. And on to the Sunday games. And we start in East Rutherford, New Jersey, where the Jets Post the Bears. And this game is a bit of a mystery now, dare I say, because we do not know the health status of Justin Fields' shoulder, and we don't know who the Jets are starting at quarterback. So my prediction on this program could very well change come Thursday, given what we learned on Wednesday. So let's assume Justin Fields does play, albeit at less than 100%. Uh, He's a proven competitor he's a proven warrior he took like a shot in the ribs to continue playing during one of his years at ohio state he'll take an injection of that shoulder to gut it out this week if the jets play zach wilson i'm picking the bears even with the banged up justin fields but if the jets play joe flack or mike white i'm taking the jets and that's all i can say right now <laughs> yeah i feel the same way if, if fields goes i think um you know That was not a happy Jets team in the locker room after the game on Sunday. 
And once you start pitting offense against defense, that's putting a lot of pressure on the coaching staff to pull that team back together. I think regardless who starts at quarterback for the Jets, uh, they might need an extra week to clear their heads and get right. I'm picking the Bears with Fields playing 28-24 over the Jets. Oh, I'm a big Bears fan, as I'm sure you know, and uh, I don't know whether to root for a win or a loss, but uh, <laughs> as somebody told me, uh, when you have an excited young quarterback, you root for wins regardless of draft That's position. Right. So uh, I'll be rooting for a Bears win on Sunday indeed. And this is my lock of the week. Texans at Dolphins. Oh, no competition. <laughs> Give me the Dolphins. Run away 35 to 10. Oh, you're making it a close game, David. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> I've got this as my lock of the week as well. I don't even think it's going to be that close. Give the Dolphins a couple more touchdowns. I'll make it 49 to 10 and tell you how they get those points in my bold prediction. Whoa, I like it. The Ravens, who looked absolutely underwhelming, dare I say, and their 13 to 3 win over the Panthers last Sunday, traveled to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. And we have praised Justin Fields a lot for his growth, and rightfully so. But Trevor Lawrence has quietly been growing up before our eyes these past several weeks. He has been playing some of the best football of his career. And uh, this is not a gimme for the Ravens whatsoever. But that said, I believe that uh, John Harbaugh is going to come up with a, a perfect plan to uh, contain Trevor Lawrence in that offense and uh, have a much better showing with Lamar and the Ravens offense this Sunday. I like the Ravens. Yeah, this is my upset special. I'm going to pick Jacksonville. Uh, maybe it takes till overtime to get that W, but I believe in the Jaguars. You know, I think the offense takes a big step forward with a healthy Travis ATN, and he's been getting the carry since they traded away James Robinson. We're seeing that on the offense. And the much maligned signing of Christian Kirk, he's really established himself as the top receiver in that offense and really opened up a lot of opportunities for the other veteran wide receivers, Zay Jones and Marvin Jones. Uh, they are that offense as well. So I'm going to say Jacksonville. I love Trevor Lawrence. You know that. I think this is a big step forward game for them uh, against the tough Baltimore defense. And they find a way in overtime, 24 to 21 over the Ravens. The Bengals, who might have Jamar Chase back this week, travel to Music City to take on the Titans. And shame on me for picking against a Mike Vrabel coach team last week. I thought the Packers were going to go on a little streak. I underestimated Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel, this guy is a top five NFL head coach. No ifs, ads, or buts about it. And even with Jamar Chase in the lineup, the last time these two teams met, the Titans should have won that game, dare I say. If it wasn't for some costly Ryan Tannehill mistakes, the Titans would have won that game. I think the Titans are out for revenge, and I think they get their revenge. Give me the Titans 20-17 to 17 over the Bengals. Yeah, I, I'm not picking against Tennessee anytime, let me tell you. Uh, maybe not until the playoffs, but Ryan Tannehill plays like he did last week. I mean, uh, Green Bay came out determined to slow and stop Derrick Henry, and they kept him in check. No run longer than nine yards the entire game. And still, Tennessee, uh, Ryan Tannehill lit it up to see the rookie, Traylon Burks, have that huge game. 
uh, over 100 yards receiving. Great growth in that Tennessee offense there. So I'm going to ride that Tennessee team. I've got them winning it here against Cincinnati, 24 to 19. Tom Brady and the Bucks returned from their bye, and they have the date in Cleveland with Jacoby Brissett and the Browns. The Bucs have gotten back on track after that heroic game-winning drive against the Rams. They absolutely uh, took it to the Seahawks in Germany, and they seem to be back on the right track, and I think they continue uh, being on that track against the Browns. I like the Bucs. Yeah, I like the Bucs, too. I think this is a winnable game for them. Uh, hey, you know, it's only going to take seven wins in that division to win it anyway. So they're well on their way to that. Um, heck, I might even be confident enough to give them eight wins uh, to win that division. So I'll go with Tampa 24 to 20 over Cleveland. And in the hold your nose game of the week, the Broncos. Travel to Carolina to face the Panthers, who are starting Sam Darnold at quarterback. Hide the children, folks. This game is going to be one of the ugliest games you'll ever see. But as I say all the time, it's these kind of games that are decided by coaching. And I love the job Steve Wilkes has done as Panthers interim head coach. And Nathaniel Hackett is on his way out in Denver, giving the Panthers in an ugly 12 to nine game. Oh, yeah. I mean, u ugly is definitely the word. Uh, no doubt about it. Hey, Carolina, you've got your first round pick Denver. You don't. So Carolina has got a little more uh, need to tank here to get their quarterback of the future. So just on that as the only criteria, Denver 13, Carolina 12. Uh, yeah, either way, it's a, a game that you do not want your kids to watch, folks. That's all there is to it. The Atlanta Falcons, the current runners-up in the NFC South, traveled to Washington to take on the Commanders. Uh, the Falcons uh, give Arthur Smith credit. He has gotten the absolute utmost out of that roster, given the deficiencies everywhere. But not having Kyle Pitts is going to hurt the Falcons in this game. Without uh, that security blanket down the middle of the field for Marcus Mariota, Mariota is going to struggle um, finding uh, guys outside of Drake London, dare I say. And uh, the commander's defense should get the job done. Plus, uh, that offense should put up its fair share of points and solid drives against that Falcons defense. I like the commanders in this game. Let's say 26-17. to 17. Yeah, if I was going to pick Atlanta to upset Washington, I, I think I would have to have two Kadaryl Patterson returns for a touchdown in there somehow. So I, I don't see that happening. Uh, I'll take Washington in a, another kind of ugly game, but uh, Washington 16, Atlanta 10. Fresh off another heartbreaking loss. The Chargers travel to the desert to take on the Cardinals. The Chargers absolutely should win this game, and I think they do win this game. Uh, given how the 49ers just absolutely tore that Cardinals defense to shreds, Justin Herbert should have no problem doing the same, even if he's without Mike Williams. Again, he'll have Keenan Allen. He still has uh, Josh Palmer, who's coming into his zone. Uh, DeAndre Carter is a very good playmaker, and Austin Eckler in that running game should absolutely be able to get going against the Cardinals defense. Give me the Chargers uh, 30 Cardinals 16. 
Well, yeah, you know, I just hate picking the charger sometimes because chargers got a charger. You know, that's the motto here. So it's just Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury. I'm sorry. I have no faith in them pulling out the win at all in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah, I, I've got to say I'm with you, David. I'll take the chargers 24 to 17 over Arizona. And regardless of what happens in the desert to the Chargers on Sunday, I still have a feeling that the Chargers are going to be the team that Sean Payton is going to be coaching next season. What do you think, Cal? Yeah, that just makes too much sense. Uh, Sean Payton to get his hands on, you know, to go into a situation where you have one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, I would put it at the top of my list. And for the Chargers, you've got to change that culture. And he built an amazing culture in New Orleans. I think that's a match made in heaven right there. Well, tell me about it. And the Raiders fresh off their overtime win in Denver, travel to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. The Raiders should have lost that game last week if it weren't for a Nathaniel Hackett last-minute brain fart, dare I say. <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett just run the damn ball on third and ten. The Raiders had no timeouts left, and you put it to them with just over a minute and no timeouts left. Instead, you went for the jugular, and it fell incomplete, and the Raiders had all the time in the world to mount that drive. Oh, my goodness. And the Raiders, they're not going to be as fortunate against Pete Carroll, Seattle Seahawks. I like the Seahawks. It's going to be a closer game than most expect, but I like the Seahawks 32-27. Yeah, I mean, Vegas has to get competitive here uh, down the stretch, and I don't think it's going to happen this game. So they're going to have to look at the Chargers or the Rams to get a W there. Uh, I think the Seahawks too good, too well coached right now. I've got Seattle 28 to 24 over Vegas. The Rams, if uh, Sean McVay doesn't think his playoff hopes are dead yet, he might have to reassess after Sunday as they go toe-to-toe with MVP front-runner Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and it's not going to be a close game at all. Chiefs all the way, 37-17. to 17. Yeah, I... I don't think it's going to be a very close game either. Sound that simpatico alert, David. I had it 34 to 17 for the Chiefs. And uh, yeah, it's just getting ugly for the Rams at this point. That's all I can say about it. (laughs) (laughs) The team that beat the Rams last week, the Saints, they had to Santa Clara to take on the suddenly red hot 49ers. And I think the 49ers stay red hot i think uh, that offense has another field day against an inconsistent saints defense and uh andy Dalton, he is not going to be able to do a lot against that 49ers defense 49ers 27 saints 13 yeah i thought about this as an upset special just for you know hey the saints got a w maybe a little bit of momentum coming but you just look at the matchups and you say i just you know, sorry, Dennis Allen, I just don't see your defense slowing this down. And if you keep throwing Andy Dalton out there, um, I don't know what you're doing that for. I, oh, God, uh, 49ers will make it a closer game than many expect. But 49ers, 28, Saints, 23. 
And on Sunday night in the city of brotherly love, the Eagles host Aaron Rodgers and the absolutely desperate Green Bay Packers. The Eagles barely got by Jeff Saturday's Colts last weekend, and they are struggling without Dallas Goddard on offense. But I just do not trust this Packers defense to stop Jalen Hurts. I just do not. If uh, they were torched by Ryan Tannehill through the air, Jalen Hurts should have no problem torching them through the air as well. The Packers may keep it close for about three quarters or so, but the Eagles pull away in the end, 31-21 Eagles. Yeah, I, I mean, it seems strange to say about a Green Bay offense, but, you know, they're going to want to stop the run and try to make Aaron Rodgers try to beat them in the passing game. <laughs> and uh, sorry, I think the Eagles we saw with uh, Sue and Linval Joseph stepping in last week, uh, no rust whatsoever, shut down that Colts running game. I think they'll do that to Green Bay. And we'll start to see that offense a little more on track, I think. So Philadelphia 30, Green Bay 17. And on Monday night in Indianapolis, Jeff Saturday's Colts coming off an oh-so-close upset win over the Eagles that I predicted post the Steelers. And as much as I want Jeff Saturday to prove all of us wrong, I just do not want to bet against Mike Tomlin in a game like this because with TJ Watt now back in the fold, uh, he and Cameron Hayward, that's Steelers defensive front, they're going to be the decisive factor of this game. Colts offensive line is going to be absolutely no match for them. I like the Steelers. Yeah, I like the Steelers as well. I, I mean, we saw uh, TJ Watt makes a difference on that defense, no doubt about it. I think we'll see an even bigger impact here this week. And uh, Indianapolis, I just don't think they have the horses right now um, to be able to put up enough points against the Pittsburgh defense. So I just can't be picking Matt Ryan and Indy in this game. So uh, I'll give it to Pittsburgh on a low scoring Monday night, 17 to 16 over the Colts. And now on to our week 12 bold predictions. I will go first. Matt Judon is going to be the guy that people in the New England area are most thankful for on Thanksgiving because he is going to total four sacks on Kirk Cousins. A forced fumble, Ooh. but that's not all. He also posts a game-clinching pick six to oh. give the Patriots an upset win. That is my bowl prediction for this Thanksgiving week in the NFL. What about oh. your bowl prediction, Hal? Oh, I love that, David. I will be sitting there with my turkey sandwich, enjoying that for sure. Make sure oh, you smoke that turkey. Hopefully, <laughs> you, you smoke it, you give it a barbecue flavor. That's good for <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> my bold prediction uh, you know, I, I see Miami scoring seven touchdowns against Houston. Heck, I think Tua. He's undefeated as a starter. Let him throw all seven for touchdowns against Houston. Why not? Three passes each to Hill and Waddle. Yeah, whoever for the last one. Sheffield. Yeah, Gasicki, whatever. One of them will catch it. 450 yards. But the Miami defense also steps up and hammers that final nail into the Davis Mills is not your future quarterback with count them Four interceptions. Oh, I like that one as well, Hal. And last but not least, 
As always, we do our challenge flags. You go first here, Hale. Who gets your challenge flag for week 12? Well, I mean, we talked about it earlier, but I've got to give it to Robert Sala, uh, New York Jets coaching staff, turmoil, dysfunction. That's been the way of the Jets for the last 50 years. You've got to change that culture. You've got to get out of that media glare and get your players all back in offense and defense, not having these players going up against each other, not having the receivers against Zach Wilson, whatever it takes bench Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's coming from Joe Douglas who made him the number two overall pick and doesn't want to make it look like he made a colossal mistake there in picking him. Um, but Robert Sala, win back that locker room. You need to be that one voice. Make the decisive move. Put Zach Wilson on the bench. I'm challenging you to take back your team. And my challenge flag stays in the AFC East, but it goes to the Buffalo Bills. As much as Josh Allen struggled last week, your running game came alive last week against the Cleveland Browns. So I challenge you, Buffalo Bills, stay more balanced on offense. Don't be afraid to run the ball far more often than you have in the past with Josh Allen because you're going to need that running game to go all the way and win your first ever Super Bowl. You are going to have to have that run and balance come January or you are not going to stand a chance in the playoffs. So Buffalo Bills, just keep that offensive balance going. That is my challenge flag. And he is Hal Bet, ladies and gentlemen, of full press coverage. Follow him on Twitter at HalBet01. Hal, thank you so much again. And that's it for today here on Sports Crutch. But we'll be back next week to recap week 12, preview week 13, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 as well as on Instagram and TikTok at Sports Crutch with dcrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. For Hal Bet, this is David Cromwell. And as always, please choose love. Please choose kindness. Please choose compassion. Please choose selflessness. And please choose empathy. And to all of you, a very happy Thanksgiving. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool.